Why Miami? That's the question we're putting under the scope today uh, here with the Miami Real Estate Podcast. I'm Omar DeWint, joined by one of the foremost authorities and powerful figures in all of Miami, Teresa Kinney. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you, Omar. It's great to be here. We're really happy to have you and honored that you would be one of our first guests as we kick this project off the ground. So today we are going to talk, uh, we're going to take a little deeper dive into why Miami, right? So we're here in in beautiful Coral Gables um, where, you know, really the, the question is very easy to be answered there, right? But what brought you, we'll start with you, and what brought you to Miami? Why Miami and, and over oh so many years ago? Well, it's kind of interesting. Um, we had decided to make a career move after our son graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. That allowed him to be born, raised, grow up in the same wonderful Midwestern community. And so when he entered his senior year, I started getting serious about researching and Miami wasn't even on the radar, not even, not even a second thought. But I talked to one of my colleagues here in Florida, and she gave the most wonderful perspective of the Miami Association and the Miami people. And we looked at it totally differently. Just a month after that, I was the keynote speaker for the National Association of Realtors Leadership Conference. And one of the 600 people in the room came up to me afterwards and was talking to me, and he happened to be the Miami chairman of the board. And uh, in April, they hired me, and uh, it was just meant to be. So at the time, you were based where? I believe you're from? Missouri. 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 Okay, excellent. And so he, so what was your thought process then when you were looking at Miami from Missouri, right? Uh, what was your sort of vision for Miami back then? And well, let's start with that. How was your, your vision of Miami back then? Well, initially we had been here two or three times with national conferences mm-hmm. and my vision of Miami in 92 and before that had not been the most positive. Okay. But once my friend Carolyn started telling me about the association and the people, we started checking into it a lot more and got to see more about what is is the real Miami. Mm -hmm. And um, it actually was the only position I applied for. It was my husband's first choice along with mine. And um, our son came down with us for a year. He didn't tell us it was only going to be a year. But when he went back with us on vacation the next year, he was ready to come back home to Miami. Miami just does that to people. I think so. I think so. And and so you arrived here, just to put in context for everybody, that was a year after Hurricane Andrew. Yes, right? 19 August of 1993. So that was one of the m- biggest sort of uh, uh, natural disasters, I guess, to, to hit the community back then. And so you had a, a tall task in front of you. What was your sort of... Where did you start, and and what was um, what were some of the biggest things that you saw that Miami had to offer that you wanted to sort of tackle? Well, it also happened to be when Miami had a very bad um, crime problem on tourists. Okay. And so I went from being chairman of the City Beautiful Commission in Missouri to co-chairman of the Real Estate Coalition Against Crime in Miami. Mm -hmm. And after three or four years of working with State Attorney Catherine Fernandez-Rundle and the real estate community and, and all of the changes that Miami and Florida made during that period of time, there was really no longer a need for that uh, committee or commission. 
And so we were able to move on to all of the amazing, you know, things that the association could do in and for the marketplace. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's just I could never have imagined that we would be who we are today. So let's talk about that for for a minute because you mentioned something that was really interesting. So when you first came, that was back in, in uh, around 92, 93, your, your perception of Miami was not overall, let's say, positive, right? Or there was a little lack of awareness, right? It was negative until I talked to my friend who had me look beyond what I saw. Sure. And so I think, if, so Miami has evolved tremendously, right? We have oh, that saying. It, there's it, there's no comparison in the last, you know, from 25 years ago to now. And and which is true, but surprisingly, when I joined Cervera, I think it was a little over two years ago, right? And just conversations with brokers and friends overseas and as close as Canada. I asked, I said, what's your perception of Miami? What do you think? And they said, oh, well, Beachtown, or we remember the 08 sort of recession or the, the bubble, right? And I was shocked because there was... There's so much that has happened here, but it, as, as close as our neighbors to the north, right, there's still a sort of lingering perception oftentimes that uh, it, it isn't the city that it is today. But why don't you tell us, Miami now, uh, so many years since you first arrived, what is what is it that Miami has to offer? Well, let me give you a different perspective okay. on, on what people think about Miami. Sure. Because... Um, one of our biggest successes has been our international marketing and outreach. Of course. And so um, Linda Fernandez on staff, she's our senior vice president of international mark or um, I'm sorry of of uh, public relations and sure. international marketing, and we started exhibiting at three or four international events a year. Mm-hmm. Now it's grown to ten to twelve, where we sure. speak and exhibit and promote Miami around the world. But one of the first ones was uh, France, Mm. because we identified target markets which were emerging markets for us, because the French would only buy on the west coast of Florida. Mm. And so we established a partnership with Paris Association, Mm Ile-de-France, and we exhibited with them at the show in Paris. Now, the French are not shy about saying what they, they mean. And so for the first two years, the biggest question is, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. And so we would answer the question <laughs> and go on, and they'd look at us like, huh. And by the third year, it had really changed. And there was a lot of interest in Miami. And our seminars that, that we gave for the buying and investing public were standing room only. And we went from wow. one a year to two a year. And our our stand was crowded afterwards and we started seeing from the french not even being on the radar for Mm -hmm. buying in miami to moving into the top 10 and moving into i believe it's number five or six of all buyers around the world so in 2008 Mm -hmm. when we started when we went to the exhibit there with them being a little blunt i expected them to really nail us on so what's so wonderful about Miami now that you have this crash and the flood of condos and everything. And they didn't. That's amazing. They didn't. They had even more questions about Miami and the opportunities. And so I've not seen or experienced what you've talked about. When I travel around the world or when people come in here to Miami, um, including the Chinese, that's mm-hmm. been one of our biggest outreaches for right. your company and for the association and many others. 
Um, when we talk about Miami, they get this look on their face and they go, oh, Miami. Right. And, and we say, have you ever been there? No, but I want to go. Right. And it's just the, the perception of Miami around the world mm -hmm. and in the New York, New Jersey, you know, Connecticut, sure. Upper East Coast area, I think is beyond better than it has ever been. Right. And just to clarify, because I, I do believe, in, in, um, as you said, that Overall, generally speaking, Miami is is a very exciting and dynamic and attractive destination worldwide. What I, what I meant to say in that sort of anecdotal um, comment is that in some of that limited feedback, I was surprised that the extent of all of the amazing things that we have wasn't you know overly apparent. Like we're here every day, we see it, we we breathe it, we love it, and um, you all have done an amazing job in, in many foreign markets, opening new markets for Miami. But um, in in terms of the the specifics, and I think. Uh, in terms of the Why Miami conversation, in the last five or so years, we've seen a lot of development in terms of everything from the cultural institutions to improvements to, to transport and infrastructure and whatnot. What are some of the most important aspects in those arenas, in your opinion, that now make Miami more exciting than ever? Well, I think the biggest thing that happened to us in terms of not looking at us as only a resort or a vacation mm -hmm. destination is Art Basel. Of course. And um, it, it really put us on the global map as it relates to art, and it has, it has catapulted us in the highest reaches of, of the moneyed right. uh, individuals, high net worth individuals. And, so, and, and then restaurants. I mean, Miami's restaurants are becoming world-renowned. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's, there's just, oh, and shopping. Shopping has <laughs> always shopping. <laughs> shopping has always been huge, but of the serious things, um, part of we we change our marketing from time to time and location to lo to location, mm -hmm. based on what their perceptions are, and reinforcing the really positive ones, but helping to introduce them to mm -hmm. the ones that they're not aware of, and people really are amazed that we're we're so technology based mm -hmm. that we're so innovative and creative that there are are so many cultural mm -hmm. resources and opportunities here and of course sporting and um, in china clean air mm -hmm. blue skies mm -hmm. uh, you know that that goes a long way well and and in speaking of china i think in the last uh couple of years they finally moved up into the um what was it that it was they jumped up they're now in the top 10 of all buyers around the world. Which is huge because in terms of opening new markets, I think that's one of the biggest it ones. And, and still with the potential that we're seeing. Uh, touching on that note for a moment, I heard recently that, and you mentioned this actually when we were last year at the uh, Four Seasons for the Asian Real Estate Association of America Global right. Luxury Summit. We are expecting direct flights in the next year or two possibly, is that? Yes, um, I think we've we've made um, a lot of progress since the person who was in charge of the airport thought that non-stops to Taiwan was going to qualify. Okay. First of all, China doesn't recognize Taiwan. Of course. And secondly, it takes you know a lot to get in and out of China and mm -hmm. Taiwan. So that was just crazy. But we're looking at, um, I don't know whether it's going to be one year or two years. Sure. I think I think Japan may beat them. 
Okay. Um, on nonstops, but everyone is working on it now, and everyone is interested, and so uh, it's just a matter of which airline comes up first, and whether it's going to be Shanghai or Beijing, I believe. Right. So I guess it's a matter of of, of when, not if, at this right. point. And we have our first three partnerships with Chinese real estate associations. Excellent. Yes, we just signed them when they were here on a trade mission um, a couple of months ago. So congratulations to that. You guys never stop. <laughs> so speaking of in the, in the future and future markets, things to come, what, uh, where do you see Miami, let's say, in, in the next 10 years? Well, you know, one of the things that they, that one of the first things we heard here is, if you don't like Miami now, just wait a few years because it changes. Mm -hmm. And so Miami totally reinvents itself every few years mm -hmm. and sometimes it evolves and sometimes it leaps into into um, a, a new reality mm -hmm. and so i don't know what it's going to be but whatever it is i know it's going to be amazing um, it's going to be i believe smarter mm -hmm. um, even more inventive mm -hmm. it's um there there are going to be even more opportunities for more people mm -hmm. and part of it has to do with the the talent in Miami mm -hmm. and the environment and the atmosphere and the culture all of the cultures right you know people who come to Miami come for the dream they come to succeed and um, so usually people come to visit and then they buy a home or a condo and then they decide they want to open a business or invest in more properties. And so, I mean, it's the place to do business. It's the place to succeed. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's individually or collectively, it's all cooperatively. And um, I could never have imagined what the Miami Association was going to be mm -hmm. when I came. And, you know, you, you think about goals and what did I want to achieve when mm -hmm. I came here. And um, I, I would never have dreamt who we are now and and what Miami is now because I don't think anybody can actually imagine what we can do until you see it happen and right. just go wow how did that happen so when I came we were a little less than 5,000 members and mm -hmm. now we're over 50,000 wow. members. Talk about uh, percentage growth right? We have 200 <laughs> premium services that we offer at no charge to our members we do 4,000 seminars a year. Mm -hmm. We have 178 international partnerships worldwide. Wow. There is no other real estate association in the world that has what we have. And did I imagine that 25 years ago? Never. I, I think it's it's hard to imagine. That, I had right? big dreams, but I, that that would have that would have not even been a possible. So we're talking here with Teresa Kinney, president of the Miami Association of Realtors, a massive the massive organization for for realtors in South Florida, over fifty thousand. Talking about the resources and and sort of the platform that you all offer, you touched on some of the, some important points that I love in your rankings, that ranking sheet that you put out, which is available on your website. So uh, most international city, obviously, we talked about all the different cultures. Uh, one of the best places to start a business, I believe yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. Um, what, what else? And in terms of now uh, challenges, let's say you've done so much, it's hard to even imagine what else do you want to do, but what's the biggest challenge that remained sort of unmet or unfaced for us? Well, um, let's talk first about what, what I think our biggest accomplishment okay. has been over all these yes. years. And um, there have been a lot of them, but I think 
the, the, the biggest one has to be our international marketing and outreach. Mm -hmm. And um, I came in 93, mm -hmm. and in 1995, we hosted our first International Real Estate Congress with delegates from all over the world. Now, we are still hosting them every year, mm -hmm. and there are up to 90 foreign delegates who attend our International Congress, wow. uh, which is actually for our members and for them. Um, 175 international partnerships, mm -hmm. you know, as I mentioned to you. And so in addition to that, we have more international marketing tools, mm -hmm. education, training, services, information for our members than any other association I know of mm -hmm. because the Miami members are better prepared, equipped, mm -hmm. and ready to work with international buyers than I think in any other market, even New York. And I'm very proud of that. That is uh, our hats off to you. You've, you've done it. And amazing. our brokers, <laughs> like Cervera. Right. I mean, what, what our brokers and brokerages and companies offer to the members, we supplement. Mm -hmm. um, but together, what we've been able to accomplish in Miami has just been amazing. Yes, it, it truly has. And if you've been to Miami recently, then you know uh, the, the proof is in, in the pudding there. So, so back to um, what are our challenges? Sure. I want to talk about the positive, the yeah, really positive <laughs> before I got to the challenges. I just can't help myself. Um, all right, so uh, we as a community rather than the association, mm -hmm. um, traffic mm -hmm. clearly is one, and affordability mm -hmm. is another, and um, streamlining the permitting and approval process. Okay not just for new construction, but for renovations and rehabs and everything else. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, they've made progress, but they're right. not close yet to where we need to be. So let's talk a little bit about that on, on those topics. Because starting with traffic, I think we've definitely seen improvements there. We just had the Brightline uh, launch from Miami. We're very excited so about that. Very excited about that. We have, even you see it in the developments when Brickell City Center, one of the biggest uh, infrastructure uh, you know, additions to our landscape. The, the parking garage was built underground to accommodate, um, leave more room. We've had the advent of Uber and Lyft and ride sharing. Uh, I love the Metro Mover, by the way. I live in Brickell, take it all the time. I I'm on the other end of the Metro Mover. Uh, yes. In the Omni uh, section. <laughs> yes, okay, so right. I love the Metro Mover. But what else is 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 there in terms of um, uh, the? I guess the enhancements to the the transport and what is still yet to come that you want to see. Well. Surprisingly, when you talk about the the top points about Miami, the top facts, mm -hmm. the the Miami and the rankings, mm -hmm. we've got two different um, um, pieces of material that mm -hmm. we've that we've prepared for our members, which can be co-branded. But one of them, um, my my writer and researcher came in one day and he said, uh, "We're one of the top cities for mass transit." Mm. Wow. I said, "Really." <laughs> Who wrote that? Well, right, like are we talking about the same city? Yeah, and and every time I say that, there's this lull in the audience before they kind of laugh, but it's true. Mm -hmm. We 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 got that ranking, and of course we're we're getting so much better all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that that traffic, we have to handle a lot of new people sure. because there's still Always more people growing. moving into Florida and moving into Miami every day, mm -hmm. and so what I'm hoping will help are you know all of the changes that they're making in infrastructure in addition to the the mass transit 
Um, in addition to that, the, the technology, the creative things that are coming up, we're all looking forward to being able to have the car drive us to work, mm -hmm. although it still would be in traffic. Um, but um, the, the, um, I think that one of the biggest things that's happened is that people are more people are moving into the urban cores. Mm -hmm. And so that means that they're not having to put their cars on the road. They're right. not coming from Homestead. Or, or very far south, we have far fewer people working in Miami and moving to Broward. Mm -hmm. That, for, for many of my first years, that was what relocation companies were, how they were assigning mm -hmm. people who were being relocated. Mm -hmm. They would give them a Miami broker and a Broward broker. Okay. Or they would only give them a Broward broker. Interesting. So the idea was, like New York, you don't live in New York, you live somewhere else sure. and you drive in. And so all of that's changed so much. Absolutely. And so Miami downtown is the fast one of the fastest growing. We just saw the article in that's the right. a couple weeks ago. That's and, right. Yeah, and it's absolutely that. true. At one point, we were the fourth fastest growing city in America, so I don't know what it is right now. But then you have Wynwood, mm. you know, and Midtown. Who right. knew? Who you knew? know, when, when I had had moved here um they thought i was crazy for moving into the omni area and mm -hmm. we've lived there almost all the 25 years and wouldn't live anywhere else we love I it i have to say i was uh, i had a um, um uh, an apartment at the 1800 club yes. and i said these views are amazing <laughs> like what this is the best kept secret in miami they are and i'm 15 minutes away from work here at the airport right you know no matter which way i go because i'm going against traffic mm -hmm. but People are are more now looking for close in. You know, we were downtown after church Sunday, and I thought, let me just see what restaurants are in the area. And, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I had no idea there were that many restaurants. Mm -hmm. You know, even open Sunday. Yeah. Um, I can see them opening the other days of the week, but it's because we have so many residents living downtown. Sure. So I think more and more people are moving in to be closer to wherever they you know live, mm -hmm. work, and play. Um, Brickell certainly has a few traffic challenges, but a lot of people who don't necessarily get into the traffic, mm -hmm. you know, because they right. live somewhere that they can walk or bike. Right. To I, I walk to the office. I live two blocks away. Recently, I saw... See, you beat me. <laughs> two blocks is much better. <laughs> well, I saw uh, recently there was... I, I was walking on Brickell uh, Avenue, and I see all these scooters on the side of the street, yeah. like electric scooters. Yeah. And I said, did I miss something? Like, we... <laughs> everybody's... So, that is, so every day there's something new. It's, it's amazing. So let's talk a little bit. Uh, again, we're here with... Uh, Teresa Kinney at the uh, Miami Association of Realtors HQ here in beautiful Coral Gables, which, by the way, on a side note, I, I read the other day was the first master plan community, one of the first in, in the Absolutely, nation. Absolutely, yes. Uh, it's modeled after an Italian... Uh, George Merrick was way ahead of his time. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk a little... I want to jump into, you mentioned affordability. Obviously, Gables is not, if you're looking for... Um, you know, cheap. It's not, you're not going to find it in Gables, the, in the Gables. But um, let's talk about affordability in, in general in, in the market. Where, um, what, what do you think needs to happen to um, offset that, or what? It, or it, are things generally affordable? Where are they affordable? What's your take on it? Okay, so our most affordable properties that don't create traffic problems. Mm -hmm. You know, because you can go south and have much more affordable properties, but then. Uh, one of our staff did that, and he was on the road for an hour and a half each way, mm -hmm. each day. And so it's gas, insurance, expense, tolls, time. time, time first, mm -hmm. actually. 
And, and so our most affordable properties are our condominiums. Mm -hmm. The problem that, we, and we have lots of them. Right. The problem that we have is that you can't get the building approved mm -hmm. by Fannie Mae. Okay. And most lenders won't finance unless they can sell it to a secondary market. Mm -hmm. So the only way that you're going to get on a lot of properties, not all of them, the only way you're going to get many of the condominiums is with a portfolio lender so they have to keep the loan in-house mm -hmm. and a lot of lenders don't want to do that okay and so there was something just recently that looks like maybe we're moving into a direction where we can open up some of that and and get approvals going and and that's our first line of affordability really mm -hmm. next um i think the smaller units sure. they aren't for everyone but for either a single or young marrieds, what's wrong with a, mm -hmm. with a small, I don't want to call it a micro unit, but, but a, a much smaller unit. Right. It's sort of smart use. Smart and, use. Yeah. And I'll tell you, every time I look at some of those shows about the ones that they've built recently in uh -huh. New York, I'm going, how do they do all that? I mean, it's, you know, on one wall is your bedroom and on the other wall is the kitchen and you fold mm -hmm. things down. And I mean, it's really pretty amazing the right. way they do it. The first ones I saw were in Europe okay. about how they had done it. And Europe, actually, they, they've made it an art. Mm -hmm. And when we were touring properties with our Paris Association, mm -hmm. um, one of them, I think, was 380 square feet. Mm -hmm. And it had a bed that was up on a a second kind of tier okay just the bed okay uh you on, know on, on the yeah on like wall. on a platform okay you know you go up like you know eight steps sure. and there's your bed so it's almost like a loft it, kind it, of in a yes way. but the bed is the only thing up there in the loft <laughs> but it's amazing how creative you get but what we have to do is be able to get people into their first home. And sure. their first home is generally going to be a condo. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. We've lived in a condo for all 25 right. years we've been here. We'd always been in a large home, a third larger home, a third larger home, and we moved into a condo. Right. Um, we had to get rid of a lot of things we didn't need. <laughs> Which but is probably good. You yes, know, it exercise. is. Um, but the reality is that once we can get them into their first home, mm -hmm then they can move up mm -hmm. and then the next person can move in right and and i think that's going to be our key to affordability sure and so those are those are the three main areas i think we have to really fix absolutely so then let's talk a little bit about you you've all done a, um and this was a question from alicia right so she wanted me to ask you this we've done an amazing job a phenomenal job in opening new markets overseas what is your your view of uh, the idea of licensing um, across states Right, and um, what, what do you think needs to be done, or is it important, let's say, for realtors uh, to be able to work with or open, let's say, local feeder markets, uh, such as in New York or Chicago? I think it's incredibly important, and I don't think there's any reason that it couldn't be done. Mm -hmm. Most states have two tests. Okay. They have a standardized test, which is 100 questions in general, and it's provided usually by one of the standardized testing services. Okay. So why not have either a standardized test throughout the United States mm -hmm. that if I pass one standardized test mm -hmm. that fits that criteria, I don't have to take that again in the other state. Right. Now, each state does have their own real estate laws. Okay. But usually that portion of the test is 30 or 40 questions. So what happens, what would happen if 
all of the state licensing authorities would agree that they would accept standardized testing from one of these testing services. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to apply for a license in another state, a broker's license in another state, all I would have to do is show that proof mm -hmm. and take a state law test. Mm -hmm. I don't see any reason why sure. that couldn't happen and why it couldn't work. We're in a global society, right. but we can't do business across state lines unless it's only by referral. I feel like it's almost like a, uh, it's the, the realtor's version of the SATs, right? We right, just have a... it is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, what do you think is the most important issue, let's say, facing our industry now? Um, sort of what uh, should realtors really be paying attention to th this year? Everything. <laughs> it's, you know, they, they have to stay on top of trends. Mm -hmm. And you can't ignore things that are happening in other markets. We always used to say, you know, what happens in California happens, you know, comes across to the rest of the country. Now there are more and more of the the national organizations and economists and forecasters and everyone who are looking very strongly at Miami mm -hmm. because they really believe that Miami is is the city marketplace of the future mm -hmm. because we are much more diverse in our population. And um, what's, what's actually happening here, they see as a trend mm -hmm. that is moving to many other, any, many other markets. And, um, but, but with regard to some of the unique marketing things that are happening, mm -hmm. those are still often happening in California. Sure. So you look at them, you identify whether there's any part of it that you would like to you know, take advantage of in your company. Mm -hmm. And I believe that our companies are smart, creative, inventive, and the ones that change with the market, mm -hmm. stay on top of the market, and the needs of the buyers and sellers mm -hmm. will always be successful. Sure. Sometimes they change with the market, sometimes they change the market. Mm -hmm. But either way, it's the ones who are paying attention to what's going on sure. and and always reevaluating how they provide the services, the services and the things that they do are the ones who are gonna succeed. It's the same thing. We we learn a lot from the the realtors mm -hmm. and the real estate profession. That's how we've done our international marketing. Right. Is we've learned from realtors, mm -hmm. you know, what works for them. And we figure out how to have a role for the association that does that supplements and supports but does not interfere with relationships mm -hmm. that companies like Cervera have established mm -hmm. throughout markets all over Latin America and, and beyond. Sure. And so it's the same thing that real estate companies do. Mm -hmm. So we we can turn on a dime. Mm -hmm. We um, one of one of the questions you sent ahead of time was what was our biggest failure? Sure. Well, we don't have big failures. First of all, we don't like them, so we don't allow them. <laughs> but the other thing is that we constantly review, evaluate, course correct, mm -hmm. so that we can come up with the best outcomes. Mm -hmm. And we're a realtor association. Sure. We're, an, we're a nonprofit realtor association. But that's exactly what the companies are doing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like 10 times, 100 times, because they have so many things mm -hmm. that they're trying to stay on top of. 
for individual realtors, they need to learn from others. I understand a series you're going to be doing is, you know. How to be a top producer. That's right, how to be a top <laughs> producer. And uh, those have been some of our most successful programs that sure. we've done. We'll have to have some of your team uh, yes. in, on, on to, to talk about that. Yes, you'll have to. Um, but you learn from others. Sure. And we, we used to have a series, and one of the, one of the top agents, Joanne Forster, used to do one for us with a with a panel and then she did one with her team so she brought her whole team in and she handed out all of these samples of what they you know things that they had used mm -hmm. so that people could actually take them and use parts of them and after the session I said you're always amazing and I really really appreciate it but and you're generous mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised that you're sharing all of this mm -hmm. and you know what she said what she said oh they won't do it <laughs> <laughs> she said nobody's gonna do it all right but if they take one or two mm -hmm. that they like and and use those yeah. she said it's gonna make our market better it's going to help all of us to market properties better mm -hmm. and and that's what I love right is when when you bring these people on your podcast mm -hmm. and they're going to share all of these amazing right. ideas which most of the time people would not do. Right. But here they do. I think the the idea is, you know, with the knowledge, we all sort of rise up together yeah. and and so a rising tide lifts all boats. Right. So, so that, let's lift our boats. And that is our, our goal here. It's inform, intrigue, and inspire yeah. Miami real estate professionals. Right. That's that's what we're trying to do. So you touched on something in terms of evolving, which I love, you know, getting information. I think uh, Real Deal recently did a story on, on is the modern brokerage dead? I think that was in response to town residential closing in Manhattan. But what you're saying sort of makes me it I think it's not it's definitely not dead, right? No, the idea is definitely you're always not. gonna need a realtor, no matter how much you can find online, right? Right? I think at the end of the day, when you're making such a big, important decision, having a realtor that can guide you through that process, give you the ins and outs, and to put the background color on the numbers that you're seeing, right? I think that's important. But in, in order to be able to do that as a realtor, we have to be informed and, and educated. Yeah, and some of these real estate news entities love to do a, you know, the traditional real estate market is dead. The traditional real estate sure. firm can't survive, and you know all these other things. I I think back to I had to actually look to see when real estate listings went online mm -hmm. first because I always forget. So um, you know, in in terms of landmark times, um, ninety five was our first Congress. Ninety six was our first of one hundred and seventy eight international agreements, and um, nineteen ninety six. Mm -hmm back in in between those is when listings first went online okay 96. and and when it was introduced at the national convention that year national association of realtors convention it was realtor.com mm -hmm. and they previewed four markets okay. and miami was one of them okay and miami was the only large one the others were not large okay and and so i i look back to what people were saying at the time mm -hmm. about giving up your data Sure. You know, they had the, you know, the old books that you couldn't give out, you couldn't share, and, <laughs> and then the online printouts, and you could only give them so many printouts. And, and now we were talking about putting every listing and most of the data up online, and there were some people who were concerned about that. But Miami, the association and the market is so progressive mm -hmm. that we can't be afraid to try new things. Mm -hmm. And so... Being one of the first, 
was wonderful because there was a huge long line mm -hmm. for everybody else who wanted to sign up and get on board. <laughs> and so as it relates to the internet, it was a, a leap forward mm -hmm. for the Miami Association to be the first big association to put our listings out there. But what's what's been the result? Everybody would say, oh, the realtor's gonna go away, there's sure. no more need for the realtor because their, you know, their value is really in the data. Their value isn't in the data. Mm -hmm. Their value is in them mm -hmm. and everything that they offer and everything they're able to do and everything they bring to the table and how they make a transaction happen and how sellers get more money for their properties and buyers get a better deal and it gets financed and it's all of those things. Mm -hmm. But nobody could have convinced anyone back then right. that that was the case. And and so what we found is over this period of time, they show far less properties mm -hmm. because people have researched it online. Mm -hmm. They have far more educated buyers mm -hmm. than they ever had before. And the realtors have much more information, valuable sure. information and tools and they're in a much better position to put it all together. And between the brokerages, the companies, and the Miami Association, mm -hmm. they have more resources, more data, more tools, mm -hmm. more integrated things than anyone ever. And no online service can compete with that kind of package. I love it. You said it excellently there. So let's close this out, Teresa, in terms of why Miami? What are our, our parting thoughts, final thoughts? What do you want to leave our, our audience with? Why Miami? Why Miami now? Because Miami has what no other city in the United States has and probably no other city in the world. Mm -hmm. It has all of the culture and sports and entertainment and affordable housing. Mm -hmm. We talked about affordable housing, but that's a lot for our workforce housing here. Sure. Affordable housing, 60% of all the international buyers say that our real estate is cheaper than it is in their own country. Right. Uh, and relatively speaking, uh, sorry to cut you off, compared to other leading global you know, markets, uh, New York, Hong Kong, London, um, LA, relatively speaking, our price per square foot is very. I have to give you the Paris example. I was um, doing a program in um, in in um, France, mm -hmm. and just before the program, the person said, "Your timing for being here couldn't have possibly been better." Two national French TV stations have each just run individual programs. The essence of both of them is. It's better to buy an apartment in Miami than it is in Paris. It's cheaper, mm -hmm. it's bigger, and it has more amenities. There's no comparison. <laughs> and two national French stations had just run that, that special. Wow. So it's well known that, uh, that when it comes to people coming in from the Upper East Coast, mm -hmm. from California, from a lot of other markets in the US, plus internationally, we are so much more affordable. Do you know that New York and California and Illinois, meaning Chicago, mm -hmm. are always three of the top states in the U.S. that search Miami properties? Wow. I did not know that. Yes, true. <laughs> and New York, I think, is number one now, right? They recently just jumped to they did. the top of your list. They did. One of the things that one of, the, um, one of our developers mentioned when I was doing an interview with him recently is that the change that he's seeing mm -hmm. is that it's taking the U.S. buyer from those markets longer to make a decision 
on Miami because they're no longer looking at second homes mm-hmm. or third or fourth. Now they're looking at relocating. Mm-hmm. And that's the big difference that we see in other those other big U.S. markets. And, of course, the tax law changes. <laughs> that definitely does help. So you yes. get the best of uh, both worlds. That's huh? right. So, Teresa, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, anything else you want to share uh, with the audience? Any, any other thoughts? Miami is the place to be. Don't miss out. There you go. You heard it here, everybody. So thanks for being with us. Thank you to Teresa and everybody My at pleasure. Linda for setting this up. And we hope to see you back on the show soon. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we certainly enjoyed making it. We hope you will come back. We've got some more great content dedicated to informing, intriguing, and inspiring Miami real estate professionals. Where can you find us? We're on the podcast store, wherever podcasts are available. That's iTunes, of course. We're also on Podbean, Spotify, Audible, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can even ask Alexa about us. Go ahead and visit Cervera.com slash blog. That's where our newsroom is located. We've got some more great content there as well, market reports, and more. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Connect with us on social at CerveraRE or send us an email, Miami Real Estate Podcast at Cervera.com. We would love to hear from you. So from all of us here in Miami, where the future is always bright, until next time. <laughs>